0: that we've called the gospel of freedom, number 16, week number 16 in the little book of Galatians. Who would have thought? But we're continuing in this message, and today we're calling it What's in Your Garden? What's in Your Garden? Galatians chapter 6, beginning at verse 1, and let us uh, I'll read it for you from the New Living Translation. He writes this, he says, brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Love one another, Jesus says, as I've loved you. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Hey, yeah, it's funny, but it's true. Pay careful attention to your own work for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Verse 7, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest What you plant those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time. We will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith we thank the lord for his word this morning it's good i don't know if you uh, ever think about this but did you know god created you with certain instincts certain natural drives they're good they're powerful for example god created you with the the instinct to create to work to produce to 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 develop things um, uh, you know, of course, a work ethic is something that is learned and developed with with training, hopefully not de incentivized with with you know just freebies and stuff we we 're meant to work we intuitively know that that 's how we 're wired um, what about What about the instinct to to have a family to to procreate to 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 you know come kind of marry and have kids with some exceptions that's that 's pretty much our instinctive drive. I always think it interesting in all the Hollywood rom-coms, all the romantic comedies, there's always, I mean the formula is identical, right? It's always identical. But the goal at the end is always what? A wedding. Even in, even at, it, for whatever kind of debauchery it takes to get there, at the end they want a wedding. It's, it's a remarkable thing. Or let's talk about the survival instinct. This is this instinct that you want to protect yourself you know, without even thinking about it, I've got a couple of pictures here to, to illustrate this point. Um, you know, that's the instinct. There's a, you know, there's a baseball bat flying into the stands and everybody flinches and ducks for cover. Uh, that's a, that's a survival instinct. Um, this guy apparently has a very low survival instinct. He has not even raised his arm. Everybody else is, you know, running for cover. He's, he's in the hospital uh, of course, I, I was concerned that nobody was covering the baby, and then and then there's this guy whose instinct is so strong. He's such a man. His instinct is big enough to cover the people around him. I just love this. This kid looks up from his phone and is about to get destroyed, and he saves his life. It's awesome, right? A, a person with a strong survival instinct will do whatever it takes to stay alive, even under great hardship. I'm, I'm reminded of the World War II. Uh, hero, U.S. Olympian and, and World War II hero, Louis Zamperini, who after his bomber was shot down, survived 47 days on a life raft in the, in the Pacific, only to be picked up by the Japanese and to be just mercilessly, you know, starved and tortured. Uh, you know, he, you can read about it, read, his, read about him in his book, or the book, Unbroken. Uh, just an incredible story of, of a determined, Survival instinct came to Christ, had an incredible evangelistic ministry later in his life. You think about men and women who have fought for our, our nation or who have fought for the freedom of other nations um, have found that the instinct to survive sometimes comes at the terrible cost of another person 's life. Kill or be killed is a kind of a reality on the battlefield. Um, it's, it's just the way it is when in a, in a softer way, you think about this instinct of self-preservation. It it means we just want to make sure that, that we're safe and we're healthy and we're fed and, 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 you know, cared for, provided for, um, and you know, that instinct of self-preservation, um, to serve our own needs can lead us actually to kind of a, Almost a selfish lifestyle, if, if we 're not careful to kind of ignore the concerns of others, and then into all this comes the gospel, the message of Jesus christ the the, the good news comes along in this, and it runs against the grain of our instincts right it 's a call to to die to self, to crucify the flesh, as we talked about last week, to live humbly, to sacrifice our own preferences, our own wants and needs and pleasures to sacrifice that for the good and benefit of others. The follower of Jesus has an obligation, a duty even to, to care for that struggling brother or sister. That's where we're going to come back to verse one there. Uh, in in beginning with that person who's falling into sin, the gospel calls us to kind of live against some of our natural instincts, even though they're good and they're God given. It's an amazing, uh, in a sense, paradox for us the end of chapter 5 we looked at last week invited us into the beauty of a spirit-led life what it meant to be filled with the spirit and walk in step with the spirit or or to let the holy spirit lead us in every part of our lives we saw that in verse 25 and once we do that the holy spirit then produces that fruit remember that love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control so those things, it's amazing, are again kind of counter to those, some of those natural instincts that we have. And we want to, we want to understand how do we do that? How do we, you know, how do we live out that fruit of the Spirit that's kind of counter to our flesh, to our natural drives? And so these verses that we just read out of chapter 6 really kind of unpack some of that life in, this, in, in, in the Spirit for us. And so we're going to talk about how do we live life in the fruit of the Spirit. And I've got a, a few things to share. And the first would be this, is that we lift and carry. If you're taking notes today, you could write this down, lift and carry. And then you can unpack a few things more of what I mean by that. Let me go back to verses 1, 2, and 3 again. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer who is overcome by some sin Is you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share one another's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone else, you're only fooling yourself. Lift and carry. Another kind of World War II hero comes to mind, a guy, Corporal Desmond Doss. Some of you have Maybe saw his story in a a movie called Hacksaw Ridge. This guy was decorated multiple times for valor in World War II. He was a non-combatant. He was a conscientious objector. He was a he was a he was an army medic that never picked up a weapon, but he saved countless lives just in the Hacksaw Ridge incident. He's credited with saving something like 70 lives by dragging the wounded off the battlefield and lowering them down to safety. He himself was wounded multiple times, uh lived with a lot of uh you know, of physical struggles the rest of his life because of the injuries he sustained in serving others in the most intense circumstances. He was known to lift and carry uh people. And in, in the value in what we're reading here and all of this business of rescuing somebody who's falling into sin is this value of, of humility or gentleness, right? Because recognizing we're all prone to sin. Paul's saying, hey, if you see someone, you know, you know, falling overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly restore that person, lift and carry that person who needs it. And, and we go into it humbly because we recognize that no one is above Stumbling in this stuff. No one's above failure. No, you know, no one plans ahead of time to mess up their finances or mess up their marriage or mess up their, you know, their parenting or mess up their job or their finances. No one plans to do that. So we are all prone to, to stumble in those ways. And so that's why we go into it with an awareness. And so he says, in a spiritual gentleness, you who are godly, assuming there's some spiritual maturity here, uh, you who are godly can, as you see someone else walking into sin, can help them. Now, there's there's four responses, I think, kind of basic, four basic responses when you see somebody like really whoo, going off track. One is you can just ignore it and just say, ah, oh, it's not my business. You know, I'm not going to judge you know, who am I to say anything? Uh, you know, they, you know, they're, they can, they're an adult. They can make their own decisions. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, you know, countercultural to kind of speak up, uh, let them do their own thing. And, uh, that's a bit like not warning a child that the stove is hot. I say, well, you know what? The, you know, I, I, they, they need to be free to make their own choices. And, uh, I know the stove is red hot, but you know, like, it's it's not my business to to stop them from burning their hand on the element, right? I mean, ridiculous! It's insane. That would be a stupid thing to say or to do. But one is we can ignore when someone's falling into sin. The second thing I think we could do is we can condemn them. Say, I can't believe it. There's, I just knew they'd be like that. This man, I would never do that. Like, I am so above that. Uh, They're getting what they deserve. That kind of condemnation that heaps on them in their in their struggle in their failure that's also terribly unloving and it denies that we ourselves sin maybe not the same thing but but that we sin so we can ignore we can condemn we can condone well you know it's really not that bad i you know i kind of encourage it they're they're expressing themselves they're learning to be kind of find who they are and 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 just kind of live in that sin and and it's it's probably good. You know, they they're finally kind of kind of feeling liberated. And, and that's condoning a sin, which is a bit like giving a drowning person a rock to carry instead of throwing them a life preserver. Or we can restore. Ignore, condemn, condone or restore and this is the biblical pattern. This is the biblical choice. The warning, of course, it's got to be done from a place of maturity. He says, you who are godly or you who are spiritual. So start from a place of, of you've got your feet on your own good foundation, right? And with humility and with gentleness. And, and my expectation is hopefully out of a, good relationship you just don't walk up to someone that you have no relationship with them and start preaching at them but it's out of relationship you seek to gently restore there's a there's a principle that's kind of highlighted in the old testament especially in the book of ezekiel you can see it in chapter um uh three and 33 i think uh it's it's called the watchman principle that says when you've been you know we we have a, a, a responsibility as a watch person that when we see trouble coming we 've got to speak up if i see you're, I see if i see you 're headed for trouble or trouble's headed for you and I say nothing, your failure is on my' uh, on my head but if I warn you, if I speak and say watch out trouble 's coming and you do nothing then it 's on you it 's the watchman principle and that 's what 's happening here is we seek to restore to lift and carry someone to gently restore them back to the family of faith hey we 've been missing you hey I haven't haven 't seen your church and like A long time. Are you okay? We miss you. We'd love to have you worship with us. Do you you need a ride? How can I help? Um, Look to restore people to the the fellowship. And of course, in particular, we're talking about sin. So if you're going to lift and carry, here's three little practical steps, how you could, maybe you're thinking about somebody that you love and your relationship with them, but you see them just kind of walking in a sinful way and you want to help. Let me give you three little steps you can you can how you can help. The first thing is you ask permission. You can you can ask permission. Hey, could I could I just shepherd you on something? Or, hey, um, would it be okay if I just shared an observation I've had about what's going on? You don't speak into someone's life if they're not giving you permission to do it. You don't. You ask permission. You say, Hey, could I speak to something? that I've, I've seen, or, hey, there's something that's really bothering me. Would it be okay if I talked to you about it? Um, you know, grandparents, sometimes you want to write a letter to a grandchild who's wayward. Don't do that without permission and without a relationship. Rather take them out for lunch and say, hey, I am I love you. I'm concerned. Did, would, could I talk to you about something? No, nah, grandma, I've heard it all. I don't want to. Okay. Wait for permission. So ask permission. Uh, speak plainly not accusation. Oh, I I heard these terrible things about you and, and you're just terrible. You're doing this and that, you know, speak plainly. Hey, if they say, yeah, what, you know, what's going on? Well, um, you know, just it's come to my attention or, you know, I've, I've been told that you're kind of saying things about people that aren't really true. It's, you know, gossiping. And I mean, is that, is that really true? Is that really what's happening? Well, oh, yeah, yeah, I probably have. So just speak plainly exactly what you see, exactly what you observe without accusation or condemnation. And then the, the third thing and the most important thing is to offer support. Can I help you with this? I, is there any way I can encourage you? Can I can I support you? Do, do, you, want, do you want accountability? Do, is there anything I can do to help you in this? So ask permission, speak plainly and offer support. That's how you do. That's how you lift and carry without condemnation. So, that's the first part of that passage, verses one through three. You want to lift and carry. This is part of life in the fruit of the Spirit. The second thing I want to say about keeping in step with the Spirit is to take responsibility. Take responsibility for your own life and for your spiritual life. Don't wait for someone else to feed you spiritually, to, to tell you what to think. Uh, don't compare yourself, he says, to others. Don't say, well, I'm better than that person or I'm not as good as that. He says, don't, don't compare, uh, Take responsibility for your own, this, obviously this to, applies to all of your life, your relationships, your workplace, your finances, and so on. Don't, you know, believe everything you hear in the news or on social media. It's amazing. I, I, I'm going to burst your bubble. Not everything you hear in the media is true. I know. I know. Some of it actually has an agenda. Hard to believe. <laughs> I know. That's dramatic. Um, but it's, you know, don't believe it all right? Take responsibility. Don't blame others for your own shortcomings. Um, don't play the victim. Well, I I'm only late because, you know, uh, you know, my mom didn't wake me for school. Like, no, don't do that. Right. Take responsibility. Don't hide behind fear. Right. Well, I just don't want to get sick. And so, uh you know, I'm just not going to talk to anybody like, no, don't don't hide behind the fear. Take responsibility. So that's in all of life, but spiritually speaking, take responsibility for your spiritual development. Right? So so do something to grow spiritually. Like take hold of it. Like Netflix is not gonna develop you spiritually. I don't know if you knew that. Uh I'm not I'm not against watching some TV and enjoying life and having some entertainment but do something to develop your spiritual life read some good non-fiction about the church or about prayer or about uh, you know spiritual living or about godly finances uh, develop a good devotional habit in your life um you know read a good godly biography read about someone read a, you know I I I have a book um Actually, so there's a guy's version, a gal's version, one's called Seven Men, one's called Seven Women about kind of godly people through history about how they just short biographies. And it's so encouraging, it's so inspiring. Eric Metaxas, anything you want to read by Eric Metaxas will really help you, M-E-T-A-X-A-S. Um, he's got a big fat book on Bonhoeffer that'll be just, it's super enlightening. Read something good this year, like 2021's almost half over. You can still get a book in this year. Like take responsibility for your spiritual development. Share what you're discovering in the word with your spouse. Talk to them about it. Say, you know what? This is crazy. I read this verse in Psalms and like, it's super encouraging. Can I share it with you? Like if you're not doing any of that with your spouse, do it. Take responsibility. Uh, you, you you can do it with a friend if you're not married. Like find a ways to do that. So that's the second thing. Third thing, and I'm going to get us into the rest of the verses. That was those verses about paying attention to your own work. Um, you'll have satisfaction of a job well done. We're each responsible for our own conduct. And then I want to get into verses 7 through 10. 7 starts this way. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You'll always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. Those who live to please the spirit Will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. The third thing. If you're going to live life in the spirit. Is to remember this. What goes around. Finish it for me. It's really true. The world calls it karma. Uh, or paying it forward. But it's a spiritual principle. And a practical principle. That God built into the universe. From from the creation. It's his idea. It's his law of Harvest, of planting and harvesting, of sowing and reaping. It's fundamental. And God is a just God. And while many laugh in His face and mock His justice, they will not laugh last. God's justice will not be mocked. Becky and I were talking actually about this just a, I don't know, a few days ago. We were talking about some of the terrible injustices that are happening in the world. It was just, it was just a kind of a heartbreaking conversation where talking about all the, like deceit and corruption in politics and in media and the oppression of you, you know of of human trafficking at our now perforated border and just uh, the, the suffering the, the the war in in uh, israel the attacks and you know it's just like it's like oh it was just a kind of a gut-wrenching uh, conversation the the brokenness and the correctional system and you just want to say, God, where are you? God, where's your justice? Like, God, any time now, God, like we need you in these situations. And and it's hard to remember sometimes that God is patient. He's slow to anger. Yes, there's justice coming. Yes, there's there's the, that reckoning coming. But God is he's merciful and he's compassionate. But he is just and he will call all people to account, good and wicked. And it may not be in your lifetime. It may not be in this earth. Uh, a, a wicked person may think they've gotten away with it, uh, you know, gotten away with their corruption or their dishonesty or whatever it is. But they haven't stood before God yet. That's the that's the thing you have to remember that that the buck stops with God. It's not with you. You might have a situation at work where you're you think that's not fair, and I'm gonna I'm gonna set it right. Or or you might have uh, you may have been terribly hurt by a, a parent or a sibling or someone else in your life and if you've carried that wound and that scar all your life and you're saying I am never going to forgive that person because I don't want them to get away with it I'm telling you as long as you hold it as long as you're holding the file God can't deal with it you've got to hand it over to God and let him deal with it and and that day is coming of, 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 standing before God. The buck stops with Him, not with ourselves. What goes around comes around in all those ways. So the, the idea, the principle would be stay, you know, take care of your side of the fence. Take care of your side of the fence and for now and, and trust the long game. I've got, I've got good neighbors on both sides of my property and sometimes, you know, stuff comes over, kind of grows over onto your side of the fence. Like, oh man. And then the other day, like yesterday, I was looking at my yard. I'm like, man, I've got stuff growing over on that side. I've got stuff growing over on the back side. i got stuff growing over on that. Like, oh, I got to take care of my side of the fence, right? Take care of your your stuff before you start going at others. And the the principle is so simple and honest and straightforward, obvious. You almost feel dumb repeating it, but you harvest what you plant. You reap what you sow. If you plant strawberries, what are you going to get? No, you're going to get a sore back from picking them. But you're right. If you plant carrots, you're going to get carrots. If you plant kindness, if you plant generosity, if you plant joy, guess what? You're going to harvest kindness and generosity and joy in your life. And if if not in this life, certainly in the life to come, God will take care of it. Verse eight gives us a choice. Plant for your own pleasure, which gets back to that instinct we were talking about before or you plant to please the spirit one way that jesus worded it elsewhere he says you can store your treasure temporarily here on earth or you can store it permanently in heaven which would you rather and Paul, then in verse nine, he admits that sometimes it's tiresome. You get worn out doing the good stuff, doing what is right, being patient, being kind, you know, living out that fruit of the spirit. He says, but don't get weary of doing what is good for in due time. It will reap a, reap a harvest if you don't give up. You want to say, Lord, when it's when's it my turn? Like I'm helping everybody else. I'm doing all this stuff. When's it my turn? And, and, and he's saying, don't get weary in doing what is good for the harvest time is coming plant to please the spirit not to please your flesh not to please yourself and god will bring you the appropriate harvest in the right time so i'm going to close with a question worship team i'm going to invite you to come back to the platform for a closing song here's my closing question what's in your garden what's in your garden what are you planting in your garden what's what's growing there you know the other day i had a sandwich and on my sandwich i had lettuce and you know what? That lettuce came from my garden. And do you know how it got there? I planted it. I put it in the ground, got some water on it, and it grew, and I had romaine lettuce on my sandwich. It was amazing. What's in your garden? What are you planting in your life? Are you, what are you putting there that you'll harvest later? Is it mostly for yourself? Right? Where will that leave you in harvest season if everything you plant is just for your own pleasure? So what are you planting in your garden? At home, what are you planting with your spouse and your kids? In your finances, what are you planting? Are you planting just for your own retirement or are you planting also for that eternal treasure? In your spiritual disciplines, what are you planting? Are you planting a a growing love, knowledge and appreciation, understanding of God's Word? Or just the newspaper or news app? What are you planting? What's in your garden, in your your physical health? What are you planting? Is what you're doing today going to give you the kind of crop you want later? In your prayer life, what are you planting? What kind of seeds are you putting in the ground? Is it going to be a nice harvest later? In your conversations with friends, what are you planting? Is it life-giving? Is it, is it beneficial? Is it flourishing? Is it causing something to grow that you're going to enjoy later? What's in your garden? What are you planting? Because it's really... The truth is so simple. What you plant... Is what you will harvest in time, in time. Don't give up. Like Christy shared at the end of the worship set, some, we've watched, I've watched some of you who've so faithfully, so faithfully planted and planted and planted. And you're like, God, when's the harvest? When's it coming? It will come in God's timing, not yours, not mine. You're saying, I've been praying faithfully for my, grandchild or my my son or my daughter keep planting keep planting some of you said i've i i've been giving to them to the mission field and i'm i'm just kind of scratching by financially but keep planting keep planting some of you said i i you know i help it feels like i help everybody else but when i need something nobody helps me keep planting Keep planting because the harvest will come in due time. Plant in all that fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you don't grow weary, if you don't give up, the harvest will come in due time. Let's pray. Jesus, you're so, so good. Your principles are true and reliable and faithful and you... You don't stop doing the right stuff, but we're impatient, God. We're selfish. We we just we just want it to be like a lot easier than it is. And God, I just I just ask that you would refresh in each of us that resolve to not grow weary in doing what is good, but to continue to plant the right stuff in the people around us. Lord, when we see someone who's struggling, who's who's falling into sin, God, that we would have the grace to gently and kindly restore them lord when we feel like kind of a little too self-important god that we be reminded to humble ourselves before someone else has to knock us off the pedestal and lord just to be faithful in planting what is good planting into the spiritual nature planting to please the spirit and not to please the flesh and Lord, where we've planted all the wrong stuff, I pray that you would give us the guts to pull out those weeds. To root it out. To extend forgiveness. To confess where we've where we've blown it. And so that we're always ready for what you want to do in our lives. We love you, Lord, and we thank you that even better, you love us. Amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.